listening to Loud on the set with Kyle and James. Speaking of James, he forced me to do this. And action! All right, welcome back to the show. My name is Kyle. This is James. And today, James, what are we doing? The Revenant. Ah, The Revenant. Yes. The Revenant, Kyle. Nominated for 12 Academy Awards. 12? At the 88th Academy Awards. Yeah, And it won for three of those awards, interestingly enough. Best Director. Alejandro G. Iñárritu. Best Cinematography. Emmanuel Lubezki. And Best Actor. Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> Wait, I don't have to say that with them. No. Anyway, um, Something amazing, though, about these two was in a controversial Oscars where people of color weren't well represented, these two uh, gentlemen, this director and this cinematographer, are both from Mexico City, Mexico. Oh, all right. Interesting. So, uh, so we had some two Mexican gentlemen win the Academy Award, which is great. And Leo finally picks up an Oscar after I think five or so nominations at this point. So, congratulations, <laughs> I guess. Anyway, we covered the Oscars in a previous podcast, did we not, Kyle? In we Movie News did. Number Two, we absolutely uh, so did. So, listeners, go check out Movie News Number Two for some commentary on the Academy Awards. Yes, uh, whatever. Um, but the today Revenant. We're, here we're talking about The Revenant. The Revenant. So, James, uh, I think we mentioned this as well earlier, but you saw The Revenant. I, did. I saw The Revenant. How did you feel about it? Overall impression, Kyle. Yes. It was all right. It was all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I was aware of the hype. I went and saw it just, just recently, very recently, actually, um, just in the wake of the Academy Awards, actually. Academy mm. Awards happened on a Sunday. I saw this on a Monday. Oh, okay. And... Um, you know, I, I had very high expectations. So based Leonardo on... DiCaprio was probably hung over when you saw this yeah. film. <laughs> and I was completely sober with my M and M's and my. Was this compl- a, this was the one please right? This was a one please okay. in the middle of the goddamn day. Beautiful day. Oh, Kyle, it was a beautiful day. Oh, when I came out, it was day. so sunny. But anyway, th- that'll be actually that'll be. Uh, uh, it will be applicable be when we talk about. It certainly talk- will. Right, anyway, um, overall impression. Getting back on topic here. I thought it was okay. I thought it was good. Kyle, I wasn't blown away. When the movie ended, I thought to myself, all right. Or as you say, I I, <laughs> I thought I can go home now. Um, I thought it was a bit too long. And here's why I really didn't enjoy it perhaps as much as the Academy enjoyed it. It's because I, I, believe it or not, I had a little bit of trouble suspending my disbelief. Can you believe mm. it? I'm a type of guy that'll sit and watch fucking Iron Man <laughs> duke it out with Captain America. And pretty soon I'm going to watch a giant Batman fight it out with... <laughs> Anyway, I, I thought to myself, God damn, they're probably out there in Wyoming, Montana, and so forth, and they jump into water in the middle of the winter like it's jumping into a fucking jacuzzi. Like, mm-hmm. there doesn't seem to be any ill effects from the freezing cold water, um, and they barely eat. And I don't know. It was like one long man versus wild or survivor man or whatever show episode. And I don't know, Kyle, what am I missing here? I'll tell you exactly what you're missing. What am I missing? So first, this film, amazingly enough, is actually based on a real story about a real person. Um, I don't remember the gentleman's name because we do our research very well for these podcasts when we go in. <laughs> but uh, this man in this hunting party was absolutely mauled by a grizzly bear uh-huh. and was left for dead. His whole hunting party left him, and he basically crawled with a destroyed body 
uh, hundreds of miles to get back to his camp. This wow. this was documented, and this actually happened. He went on to survive past that until he was killed in a uh, a raid um, down the road. But this actually did happen. And amazingly enough, when they filmed this, they filmed it way up in Canada mm -hmm. um, for most of the shoot. Um, and the shoot was so terrible and grueling that they had the most turnover of personnel and staff working on this film because they were so horrified and could not exist in the conditions they were asking them to film in. So amazingly wow. enough, uh, it might not appear in many scenes because it looks almost too pitch picturesque, like this is a real environment that they're in. But amazingly enough, and why Emmanuel Lubetsky deserved the Cinematography Academy Award here is because only natural lighting was used to shoot this film with the exception of one scene in the entire movie where they just used a couple little lamps to help balance out uh, one of their campfire scenes. Now that's impressive. That okay. See, that's why I asked Kyle. What am I missing? Here? There you, you go. Know, what am I missing? So I filled you in a little bit. Okay. Um, but that being said, I can see uh, where you're coming from mm -hmm. in in your thoughts on the movie. So I personally went into it and was completely absorbed in the spectacle of it, um, knowing a few things about the filmmaking going in. So I had a little leg up on you okay, okay. with that. But also. This is a great example of a film that sets out to do a couple of things and do it the best that it can. Focused. Focused. A very focused effort. They wanted you to feel absolutely in the environment. They wanted you to stare at Leonardo's face as he screamed in agony. And they wanted you to be immersed in those moments. That being said... When you look at the overall plot, there's not much going on for the epic runtime of, I think, over two and a half hours that mm -hmm. the film runs. So it's a long, exactly what you said, man versus wild type of story. Um, and also, coupled with that, it takes on the revenge story atmosphere yes, as absolutely. well, which has never been something that I've been fond of personally. So I was very conflicted going into this. Um, but we'll we'll say spoiler alert going forward from here. Sure. Um, as we'll as we'll move on. But I thought at the end of the movie that he was absolutely going to kill uh, the other guy. I thought he absolutely was going to kill him. But uh, he kind of doesn't. He mostly doesn't. It's a symbolic gesture right. that he doesn't really. Exactly. You know? Um, and, you know, you mentioned that. But I think a... it been, might have been more powerful if he did. But I might not have agreed with it as much. Um, but yeah, symbolic gesture. Fair enough. I wasn't I wasn't emotionally invested in the movie at the uh, at the end to the point where I was like, will he or won't he? Mm -hmm. uh, I just was sort of witnessing it play out at that right. point. So I, I didn't have the same stakes, mm -hmm. if you will, as you did. Um, I'm glad you said that it it was a pretty simple narrative, a very focused, mm -hmm. simple um, series of of events and contained within a well defined characters and all that. Well, not well defined, but you know, like. A select few. The select few that um, were highlighted were well-defined, yeah. In certain ways, this movie reminded me of Gladiator. Interesting. I mean, the yeah. the the right off the bat, the flashbacks of the killed wife, mm -hmm. right? In Gladiator, we never met the wife. We only met her through flashbacks of the protagonist in his dream states and things right. like that, just like we did in this movie. 
Um, I, I'm pretty sure Russell Clow and Gre- Russell Clow. <laughs> Russell Clow. Russell Clow. We love you. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Ooh, it feels good to get the back. It feels uh, good. Russell Clow, I'm pretty sure, also had a son in Gladiator. Mm, who also did. got taken from him. Okay. Um, are we getting into it? Are we getting into the nitty-gritty now? We're getting into we're, it. We're past overall We're past it. Right. Well, um, overall impressions, we liked it. Yeah. I liked it more. You liked it more. We'll talk about why. Okay. I already um, mentioned a couple of reasons why I appreciate it. More. I, I, didn't, I didn't feel a good connection with the son. You know, there were a couple of scenes involving Leo and his son, um, or Glass, I should say, and his son, that, yeah, he provided some mentorship, if you will, on how to be tough and survive given the conditions, given the, hum- the human conditions surrounding them, like the villain Tom Hardy. Right. Um, villain but, is, a, is an interesting tie to his yeah, character. Yeah, we'll talk well. about him more we in a shall. second because I have notes on him. But yes, we'll call him the I villain. I just, you know, I didn't... I, I didn't think that the sadness was really earned in terms of the sun passing. Um, I don't know, not a lot of not a lot of emotional connection there. That's my opinion, Kyle. What do you think? Interesting. Um, yeah, I think that they could have, they almost post developed his character yes. more more than pre developing it. Um, so I can I can see that as well. Um, I think I'm a little schmaltier than you <laughs> <laughs> in terms of. Uh, what I think about it going into it, I definitely get more absorbed into it. And um, uh, these types of films, um, this kind of prestige atmosphere. So I was I was trying to give it everything that I could because um, I felt like it was trying to give me everything it could in terms of the, uh, the filmmaking aspect. So I might have been a little bit more invested at that point, but I absolutely see the post-investment they tried to put onto it afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the uh, my favorite things about the movie okay. were the um, the things that it won Academy Awards for the direction, the cinematography, and the acting. I think Tom Hardy also did an amazing job. Um, unfortunately, this was a very boys' club movie, uh, maybe reflecting of the times and what the story that they were trying to tell. But um, I was a little put off by that and the one female character in it of course gets like sexually assaulted and everything um Mm -hmm. so that was a little frustrating trying to diversify everything um but overall um i don't think it deserves to win best picture for some of the same reasons that you're telling right now i think that it absolutely deserved all the awards that it won um because the direction was amazing these this is the same director who did birdman last year and won Best Picture for that, and Best uh, best Director as well, I think. Um, Did it win Best Picture? It won Best Picture. I know that for sure. Oh, um, okay. Right. But this, uh, I thought that that story was well-deserving of that Academy Award, because it was telling a way more complex story. Yes. This was showing you the mastery of filmmaking that this group had um, in the probably one of the worst environments on Earth. Um and I really appreciated that being a filmmaker, um, amateur filmmaker myself, and knowing what it takes to kind of do that. I've lived some of that myself, um, so that was very impressive. Well, Kyle, let me piggyback me. on yes, that because yes, piggy indeed. Inyaritu, um, speaking of Berman, he is the master of what I truly appreciate—the long, continuous oh, shot. Yes. Kyle, I love that mm-hmm. because almost nobody does it, yep. and it shows. You need skill to pull that off, and mm-hmm. he does it so many times in this movie that that was probably my favorite part of the movie was, do you, do you call it the cinematography, right? Yeah, yeah like you the, do. The camera work, whatever you want to call it, it really has become his signature, has it not? Absolutely. Uh, characters have to stay in the moment. Uh, you don't have the luxury of, of 
cut, right? Cut. I'm, right. Don't worry, I'm going to cut this up. Don't worry, I'm going to uh-huh. cut the crap out of this and all your flaws and your shitty acting can be just cut right out of it with mm-hmm. the magic of cutting. Okay. Nope. The characters have to stay in it. They have to know their lines. They have to deliver them well. Yeah. Um, and people have to play off of each other. They, they have to, oh, they stay in it and they really do. I love that it's signature. Um, and congratulations. Yeah. Job well done. I love it. Yeah. It was very, it was very well directed in the mm-hmm. cinematography. The long shots that you're talking about, it's really interesting because I first noticed how technically brilliant these were getting um, when I was watching films by, amazingly enough, another Mexican film director. His name is Alfonso uh, Quiron. And he directed uh, Children of Men. Have you seen this film? Oh, that has great continuous shots. Great that's continuous shots. That's a great shots. movie. Yeah, and they have cool. a the, their guerrilla filmmaking mm-hmm. style. Um, I don't know. Maybe somebody can write a paper and see if it comes from uh, comes from the the Mexican background. I don't know. Yeah. I don't but know. Uh, maybe there's more films we can dive into it. But these two directors I know for this type of work, and for Birdman the whole film essentially being the continuous shot. Yes. Obviously you can't really do that. So there's secret edits in it, but working so meticulously to present that is so brilliant. And they it did is. it to great effect in this movie, getting you in the absorption of it. So there wasn't any editing challenge in taking you out of those moments where there were intense battle sequences, mm-hmm. um, where there were intense survival sequences uh, all, all of those. So. I will say that the the one shot, especially with a movie like this, it it achieves what it sets out to do, and that's it keeps you in the moment with the actors, and it keeps the tension really high. Kyle, I'm talking about the bear scene. Oh, oh, ooh, is that intense? My goodness. Um, again, shot. I don't know if there were secret edits in that moment. I'd have to go back and, and yeah, analyze it. You can I'm find sure. secret edits, like right. when certain things pass very close uh-huh. to the camera, like. A pack or something like that. They're you, getting they're getting so much better at yeah. it even now. It's crazy. It happened a lot in Birdman too. Uh-huh. A quick passing through a hallway where right. there's a section that's not lit. You get the idea. I don't know if the bear scene, the grizzly bear scene, had secret edits or not. But much like let's say No Country for Old Men, it was one of these movies when that scene was playing out that I was, oh my yeah, God, my my white knuckle grip on my seat was just. Intense. And even yeah. more impressive to know that there was not a bear there. That was the the CG bear. And Leo is attached to basically giant strings and people are pulling him back and forth. And wow. to elicit the emotion from, first of all, a very nuanced use of CG. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's, it's a tool, Kyle. It's a tool. <laughs> it's a minnow. It looks like a minnow. Um, that didn't look like a minnow. <laughs> did not. Leonardo DiCaprio looked like a He no. certainly did. He looked like a very, he looked like a salmon just getting <laughs> eviscerated by a hungry grizzly bear. And, uh, man, yeah, as you mentioned, that was a, quite an amazing scene. Um, and to see the, the gruesome aftermath of the attack and to highlight how powerful nature is mm-hmm. um, can seg us into our next topic. Wait, wait, seg? Can segue us. Shout out to Kevbo. <laughs> oh my! All right, segue. Seg- I, yes, All into right. our next topic: the the environment. So, okay. if this film is is doing some things, and it's doing just a few, very focused, it is trying to make a statement about the environment, about the power of nature, about our place in the world, and this was also prevalent in the filmmaking. So, as I mentioned before. They started up in uh, northern Canada making this film. And at a point during the filmmaking, all of the snow melted away. 
It was one of the hottest moments ever recorded in the area they were filming. All the snow was gone. They had to move the entire production to the southernmost tip of South America to find snow and continue their production. They had to move the whole production, and this was not more prevalent than when DiCaprio accepted his Oscar and said, of course, to the world at this point, something that we believe very heavily in ourselves, and that is that climate change is affecting the world, and it's affecting it right before our eyes. It was affecting their film shoot. It's it's out there. It's happening now, and this movie is highlighting how fragile this ecosystem is and where are places in the world we are coexisting with the rest of what's out there and dicaprio is coexisting with that bear in that moment it's pretty pretty intense yeah you know, it's it's interesting you bring that up because as i was sitting there watching it um you pay attention to the elements of course right mm-hmm. all around you and you see man's impact on it. Right at the beginning, they're, of course, hunting. Right. Uh, so you see the impact of man going out um, and slaying wildlife for trade of their skins. And then later on, you'll see encampments where it's, oh, clearly, we just got to cut a bunch of things down and, and build things here. And you can't help but notice, wow, this was sort of uh, pre-industrial age. Right. Or maybe it's right at the cusp of right the industrial age. Right at the cusp. Age, right? Yeah, it's getting there. It's getting there. And so you see scale-wise the impact that man can have depending on the era that they exist in. Right. So now take the impact that you see in this movie, which can be gruesome at times and worrisome in the way that... Inconsiderable. Inconsiderate the way that people treat the environment. Uh, And then fast forward right back into your modern life and take a look Mm -hmm. around you and look at your ecological footprint. The ecological footprint of that encampment that they're all trying to get back to, it's clear. There's... Uh, a clean cut of where the, the a clear line between forest and non-forest. Here's where we've been right. established. Here's our fence line. Mm-hmm. Here are our cabins. Here's our smoke. Here's everything we're burning. We're just burning, 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 and killing, 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 and skinning, 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 and you get the idea. Um, and scale it up to your present day, people. Mm-hmm. Ouch. Yeah. This right. this film was trying to make a statement about the fact that we need to protect the environment. Um, it's prevalent. We're men of science over here. Yep. It's, I don't think it made that message too strongly, though. I mean, you you have you have to look beyond the simple narrative. Like you got to look a little bit deeper. Right. You it's, have to you have to take that message from the the scenery around. You, right. right. It for for its time and for its focus, it's presenting our man's uh, or people's uh, relationship with the environment. Mm-hmm. And then we look at that now, and you see it in the production. You see it in the world around us. You see almost every single scientist in the world agreeing on one thing you you just have to you have to be there you have to understand interesting you know what i just noticed something Kyle. what did we notice your worldview crept in well it's our what? worldview but usually oh i'm the goodness. one that i'm i'm usually the uh, tangential uh, ranting uh, raver but uh, tom already was uh tom already, tom tom already. Tom already. <laughs> all right kyle let's, let's lighten the mood here a little okay. bit right oof we serious there for a second. We got, we got serious. The villain quote, quote. I, I have a quote Let's here. Let's talk about I have this. I have Tom Hardy, great okay. villain, and I have him down here as the greatest mumbler since Heath Ledger. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest mumbling performance <laughs> since Heath Ledger in Brokeback Mountain. Now, I didn't understand like 40% of what he said, but, you know, communication is all about getting the idea across. I may not have understood the individual words. He got the idea But across. boy, did I get the idea. What do you think, Kyle? So... 
I think that assigning this man with the villain is uh, is what the movie wanted you to do, but then it wanted you to kind of feel bad about that in certain situations. Mm-hmm. And, of course, after a certain point, he starts covering things up and, and moving it forward, and then we see a little bit of the villainous side creeping in, the, the fight for his own survival in that moment, his money, which is all he has to survive, you know, or else he's dead. Mm-hmm. Um but do you think, posing this question to you and our listeners, that if Tom Hardy had been in the same state as DiCaprio, and DiCaprio was fine and leading this party, do you think that he would have done something different than Tom Hardy did? Hmm. What do you think he would do? Leading the party back to their encampment, Tom Hardy eviscerated by this bear, probably going to shortly die what do you think they do here's what i think would happen they perhaps would reach the same conclusion that is leave a couple of men behind to watch over this person's slow death because no one had the nerve to just the mercy kill right Mm -hmm. no one had the nerve to do the mercy kill so i think same situation plays out they leave a couple guys behind to stay with the the certain to die individual Mm -hmm. and when they pass you move on now what i think does make tom hardy the villain is that Given the opportunity to simply just walk away from Leonardo DiCaprio's wounded body, he didn't. He told the leader, the captain, what was the captain's name? Did he have a name? That redheaded prick from Star Wars. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> Jesus, anyway. He's been in a lot of good films. Ex Machina. I know. He keeps creeping Dom into Al my Gleason. life. He's doing a good job. Is that his name? Damal Gleason. That's his Damal? Damal Gleason. Yeah, I think it's Irish or something. Whatever. All right. <laughs> we love you. He, uh, <laughs> He, um, why did I even bring him up? God damn it, I just got lost. Anyway. Because uh, he told him that he was going to stay behind. And... All right, here's the thing. <laughs> when the captain asked, the, here we go, okay. we're back on track. We're back, we're back. When, when the captain asked, would anybody like to stay behind, if Tom Hardy's character was not villain-esque, he would have simply said, not me, I'm, I'm just going to keep going ahead. But money was introduced as the motive to stay behind, That's not true. not a sense of care or a sense of proper burial or anything like that. Um, if he was truly just interested in survival, as in in this very moment, like we need to lighten our load, I don't want to carry this guy anymore. He simply marches ahead and doesn't volunteer to be the caretaker. That's true. But he volunteers a to get money and b because he probably saw the opportunity. In fact, of course he did. He started digging his grave and, uh-huh. and often. So you know, I I parry your question with. No, he's a villain. You know, like he's a villain. I there, think there were, uh, there was not A or B. It wasn't stay mm-hmm. behind. And you know, he had options. Just, all right, I'll wash my hands of this problem by just existing with the rest of the party. That's true. And in, in, I mean, suffice to say, he's a complicated character at this point. Yeah. That was the the topic I wanted to raise. Um, okay. So he he does have these tendencies, and you can see that he's greedy. Um, but I think this is born out of the desperation that they're living in as well, and. It's it's almost to the effect of of terror. You know, he f- feels like there's no other options and was probably, and you know his backstory a little bit, um, every moment can bring death. And mm-hmm. that has scared him because he's not comfortable. It's the classic case uh, in lots of stories where you see the archetypal, the hero is willing to lay down his life for the cause. And the villain is the one who's the coward and can't do it not in touch with death can't accept that it can't be a possibility and of course that breeds greed it breeds 
a need to survive. Um, and that's what Tom Hardy is born out of in that film. So I think it's a really interesting portrayal of the, the faults of man in, in these most interesting and desperate times. So okay, a very good acting experience on both accounts for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Kyle, i got another question yes. based on acting for you. Uh, we'll cycle back to the question I had way back, way back about when. 20 minutes ago. Okay. Was, <laughs> what am I not seeing here? What yes. am I not seeing here, Kyle? And I'm bringing this up because when it comes to Leonardo DiCaprio winning the Best Actor Oscar, what am I not seeing? What am I missing, Kyle? Because there was so little dialogue on his part. Is it is it enough to just drool all over yourself and and grit your teeth and stare? And I don't know, like... So here's what Not it that is. nobody else was more <laughs> deserving than this character. I understand maybe it was awarded to him based on acting through the conditions. Like, did they go behind the camera and say, oh, he's deserving because he... They always do. Yeah? It's politics. All right, all It's right. politics. And, and, uh, and no, they should not. It should be what's on the screen. Yeah, that's what um, I'm saying. But, of course, it's the politics of the situation. It's that DiCaprio's... As Chris Rock said, Leo gets a great part every year. He does, and mm -hmm. he does a great job every year. And in a year where the other performances that were nominated were not um, as standout as that, frankly, uh, to be totally honest, I think that Michael Fassbender's performance in Steve Jobs merited him the Oscar over DiCaprio's. I truly believe was he that. Was he, was he, he was nominated. Was he nommed? He was nommed. He was nommed. He got a nod. He, he, his nom was nodded. Um, he, yes. So, uh, but as, like you said, it's not always dialogue. You know, that doesn't always make the, the acting experience. But I think the screen presence that he had, the range that he was allowed to show, and to convey the, the misery, I think, brings on the our own thoughts of that mental anguish and how that was able to portray to us. And it's a more powerful emotion than say Michael Fassbender transforming into Steve jobs on, okay, uh, on, the, on the camera. So I think you, it's a number of different things. What you're not seeing is the history of the Academy. What did happen behind the camera, all of the lobbying that goes into getting these people, the Academy mm -hmm. award. It's all of those things. Of course, that being said, it was a fantastic performance. It might have not, been as standout deserving as uh as perhaps some other performances in history it harkens us back to a comment we made during malcolm x about denzel's snub uh when he played malcolm x and al pacino won the academy award you know there's politics involved there's things going okay, on okay. but i think he did a an amazing job i think that that was probably as best anyone could play that part and succeed in that situation so definitely deserving of the nomination, deserving of an Academy Award against, uh, I mean, that's what they do it for, right? You want to highlight those great, interesting acting experiences. Um, but it's always tough. And I think I mentioned this on the Oscars Movie News podcast. It's hard when they just say best actor, you know? Yeah. Best actor for what? Best actor for being sad the whole time and cold <laughs> and tired and broken? Yeah, best at that. You know? That's true, yeah. So More categories. More perhaps. categories, maybe. All right, Kyle, should we grade this thing? Yeah, let's do it. All right, wrapping up here. Um, what grade do I give this movie? Well, even after the discussion, after our discussion, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll give it a B. You yeah. Know? I'm not, I'm, you know, you've made some good points here. I asked you what was I not seeing, what was I missing. You filled me in. But at the same time, you know, I, I could have done without it. Yeah. You know, I, I saw mean, it. It was good. 
I I I probably I think the star will never show, see it again. Yeah, honestly. I think I think <laughs> the star is the director. Yep, Inyaritu. Like mm-hmm. he, he's clearly one yeah. of the most talented directors in Hollywood. DiCaprio said he cemented himself in film history these past two years, and I absolutely believe that. So I give it a B. B. I give it an A plus four. The directing and cinematography. Oh, you scared me for a I second. I know. I know. You scared me. There is no A plus yet. I give it a wow. B minus for the story. So I'm averaging it out to B plus A minus, somewhere around there. Mm. On a different day, it'll be a different thing, depending on how I feel. <laughs> B plus A minus, that's where I'm leaving okay, it. Okay, The Revenant. The Revenant. So that will bring us to the end of our discussion today. Let us know what you think. Did you think Leo deserved an Oscar? Did you like The Revenant? Send us a mail, loudontheset at gmail.com. Coming up. Very soon, we'll do another listener mail uh, episode. We'll, we'll compile these all together and get some good topics uh, swirling around. But check us out, all this stuff, at YouTube and iTunes. Subscribe, Loud on the Set with Kyle and James. And this is a really interesting movie, so I would recommend seeing it. Would you recommend seeing it at least once? Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so check it out. Check us out, loudontheset at gmail.com. Send us some info. Go see the movie. Let us know what you think. Have a great time. See you later. But this ended up winning three Oscars, in fact. Um, it won for Best Director, Alejandro J. Inaruto, or G, in other words. <laughs> Let's try that again. <laughs> You're great. You're great. You're great. We love you. You're great. <laughs> it won for three Academy Awards for Best Director, Alejandro G. Inaruto. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> We love you. You're great. Let's try this again. <laughs> Alejandro G. Inaritu. Is okay. that right? Good okay. enough. Yeah. Um, and it won for three. Best director to Alejandro G. Inaritu. He was... <laughs> All right, you say it. I can't do it. It's probably... <clears throat> it's an... It's a that, and then there's an is that, accent is, is, on is, the Is A. it correctly spelled? Yeah, yeah that's I'm pretty it. Sure I it. Okay. And cut.